Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the 31st episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that gets announced every week, not just twice a year. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, Travis Allen, Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N, on the internet and on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, who goes by the tag, uh, actually, <laughs> to stop looking at your tag, I've seen it so many times, Word of Commander, I knew that. <laughs> I was going to get mad if you didn't know. It's okay, you don't know how to say my last name, Travis, but the, the internet handle and the Twitter handle, that could not stand, sir. It could not stand. Well, how do you pronounce the last name? It's Daigle, like Daigle with a D. Oh, all right. Well, he's here. Cliff is here with me this week. James is busy elsewhere at some sort of toy expo. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what. Um, okay, and we are here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. I'm so glad to be back. I had a little, uh, little time over the summer to do this, and it's so much fun to do the cast with you, Travis. Uh, this show is sponsored by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial ma- minds in the hobby. Cliff, what are we discussing this week? Well, this week we're going to have our segments. We're going to our four segments. We're going to start off with the top movers. Then we're on to uh, some picks of the week. We're going to talk about some of the things we think are good places to park your money. We're going to talk about some tournament results, and then we have uh, a, our big topic at the end. We're going to talk a little about Puka Trade and Future Site. I've got some experience and some ideas to share. Oh, excellent. Maybe we can also hit on some of the stuff from Announcement Day, too. Oh, my God, Announcement Day. How did I forget that? I've been so <laughs> mad about Puka Trade that I completely forgot about all the amazing stuff they announced. <laughs> well, we'll see what we're in the mood for when we get there. Uh, do you want to give us the first card on our segment one this week, then, Cliff? So our first card is going to be Engineered Explosives. It has gone, the MMA version has gone from $27 up to $40, a gain of almost 50%, just because everybody's playing it in modern. Um, It's a really great card for dealing with a lot of problematic things. An Engineered Explosive set to one or two is one of the best board wipes you can do against a lot of decks. Like, it'll wipe out all of the burn spells, it, oh, excuse me, all the burn creatures, the death shadows, all those things just go poof. Yeah, the, you know, I'm looking at TCG player right now and it's reporting a market price of 30, but I'm not seeing copies really below $40. So, um, you know, this really looks like it's, it's a lot of demand pushing on this card. It's now been uh, going on, God, six years. Oh, wait, Modern Masters hasn't been six years from now. No, it was it? Uh, 2013 was 13. the first one. So th- four, three, three years. years, three years. Yeah, it'll be four okay. before it has a chance to get printed again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, still, still quite a while in in Magic Finance time. So not surprised to see such a uh, constructed staple across multiple formats. Really, really budging. Um, in fact, you know, this usually we usually don't include cards that fall quite this low in terms of percentage gain on our top movers. But I grabbed this one just because it's a price tag that I think our players will really see when they're out on the floor, because this is the type of card that um, people have to trade and trade for frequently. Yeah, it's it's good in any number of decks because all it needs is the sunburst and you can finagle the sunbursting however you want. It, you can play it in your Eldrazi deck since it makes colorless or white or blue. 
And so you just, it's very versatile and it answers a lot of problems and it's difficult not to at least get a two for one. And it's some of the best things you can do against like uh, affinity or elves, especially hates, hates yeah, a, uh, yeah. an, an engineer that's close to the set to one. Yep. Yep. And yells, um, nail some of the stuff out of in fact too on one you can hit glycerol oh, yeah. and noble hierarchs okay uh next on our list is amulet of vigor we are looking specifically at the foil copies from world wake they came into the week at a little over 12 dollars and are sitting about 24 25 bucks right now uh that represents about close to 100 percent gain in price this is derived from the fact uh, that the um amulet bloom deck is seeing a little bit of a resurgence in modern right now uh, remember that this Amulet Bloom was a humongous deck back in the day. Summer Bloom got banned and the deck kind of disappeared. But uh, a, the very, very, very early list played uh, Sakura Tribe Scout. Um, <laughs> that faded away quickly after the deck became established. But uh, Matt Nass returned to that list recently at one of the Grand Prix over the weekend. Um, he did not manage a top eight with it, but we did see it on camera. There was a, or at least not, if it wasn't on camera, it was a featured deck coverage um but basically there's it, it looks like what's happening is you know what there's a lot of room for this deck to be not as good that as it was but still very playable and amulet of vigor is still a really important component of that deck so the price has had shrunk a little bit after the banning but is now starting to recover um and when i look over on tcg player right now there is not a single near mint foil copy left uh the only ones are lightly played and lightly played you're starting at 25 bucks it, if there's one thing we're learning from modern, it's that if you ban one card from a busted deck, people are going to try and find something else to go with it. And that's not really a surprise. We love doing busted and broken things. We don't like playing fair magic in modern. So uh, it's no real shock that people are trying to find a way to do these busted things all over again, just like the Eldrazi decks. Sure, you can ban I. But there's still going to be an awesome Eldrazi deck to be had. It just might not be as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Suffocating, I think is the word I'm looking for. So Amulet of Vigor, uh, let's go. Yeah, yeah. I was going to point to uh, Eldrazi if you didn't, you know, deck got a card banned, dropped out of oppressive range, but is still uh, quite quite capable. Uh, next up, we have Collective Brutality out of Eldritch Moon. It's doubled up from $1.50 to about $3. It's seeing a lot more standard and modern play. It's a pretty fun card to sideboard into in the dredge deck. Uh, I've seen people testing this at my shop with um, just one more way to discard cards for value early. Because you need one creature to kill, you need one player to target, and then you can target them again and get all the cards you need from your hand into the yard for a value. So that's why it's going up. Uh, we'll talk more about Eldritch Moon as we go, but I love a lot of Eldritch Moon cards. Yeah, Collective Brutality is really uh, getting a lot of traction in a variety of places. We saw... Um, I, uh, uh, what's his name? Sam Stodd's Future Future League article this past week. Uh, Collective Brutality showed up in a lot of lists. And if you look back at something like MTG Top 8, which can show you results, uh, you plug in Collective Brutality and you see all sorts of decks 
um, that, that run it. So we're seeing it in Gordio's Vengeance, in Modern, we're seeing it in White Black, Blue Black, Esper, Agrodex, um, Standard, Modern. I mean, it's really all over the place. It's just a, a very versatile card in a lot of different strategies. So not too surprising to see this start to move. Um, worth mentioning that, you know, the prices we're talking about here, the dollar fifty and three are for the non-foils, but the foils have similarly seen about 100% gain. So I, I would expect to see Collective Brutality kind of um, as a part of at least of, of at least Modern and probably, you know, Standard and legacy um, for quite some time going forward here. What else do we like out of Eldritch Moon, Travis? Uh, well, next up is Grim Flare. Uh, we're looking at the foils specifically here, uh, but they started the week at around $25 and are now showing a $55 price. Uh, that's a, over 100%. It's about 115% gain on this card um grim flare uh, for those of you that aren't weren't, don't remember is a green black two drop from eldritch moon uh it's a two two trample that uh flips cards into your graveyard to enable delirium and when he has delirium um he gets plus two plus two and people weren't sure what to make of this card when he first landed but very quickly in modern we saw him showing up and it looks like he's become almost a standard part of jund or at least a very um common component of of many jund lists which is why we're seeing i think the foil move so much harder than the non-foil at least at this point is because of that that eternal demand but uh yeah i mean i'm looking at Nothing below 50 bucks on TCG Player right now, but the market price is still around 25 So we'll see if the price can stick. I mean, $50 for a foil Mythic is, is high, but it's not impossible in standard. Not at all. And uh, I think that Grim Flayer is strangely better in modern right now because it's easier to do all kinds of delirium things early on. Also, like if you do land into an Inquisition of Kozilek, that's half the battle right there. Um, also keep in mind that right now Grim Flare looks terrible when it's a, uh, opposite of Sylvan Advocate and mm-hmm. uh, nobody's playing a lot of two drops in modern so even if it gets to hit once as a 2-2 two, two or a 4-4 four, four, you've got your, your card selection back and you're, you're filling your graveyard for uh, multiple uh, delve spells there's a lot of synergies that um, I didn't think this card would be good in standard but I sure missed how good it could be in modern. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, what's next? Uh, next up, we got Apocalypse out of Tempest. Uh, this is one of those cards that makes you want to flip the table if you play EDH. Uh, it's gone from three fifty to eight dollars. It uh, destroys. Is it destroys or exiles everything? Exile. Um, exile. That's just great. And you have to do, it, exile your hand too. But you get to reset the game. Isn't that a lot of fun? Uh, it's probably reserved list. I haven't been able to find anything really showing it as a card that's getting played. Have you? Uh, I haven't noticed. I mean, I can only assume that this is part of that sort of reserve list, low supply that finally um, tips over. Uh, and, and it is, in fact, re- reserved. Yeah. Yeah. I've spent, James and I spent the whole summer just talking like, well, it's another reserved list card. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much where we are. Yeah. There's not a lot to say. Somebody said this is low, this is reserved, and I'm going to buy up a whole bunch of them. And other people said, hey, it's moving, so let's do that too. And And there you go. (laughs) We're all lemmings. We're all lemmings. Yeah. Uh, Next up on our list is Pillar of the Perrins from Dissension. We're looking specifically at foils. Um, Started the week at about six fifty seven dollars, jumped up to fifteen for about one hundred and thirty percent gain or so. We saw this in two 
uh, five color in a five color list in at Star City Columbus a few weeks ago. Um, it's a five color good stuff sort of sort of like a collected company style deck, but it's not actually playing collected company. Um, and I'm guessing it's showed up in a, one or two more places. I doubt Justice Columbus. Li- list would be enough on its own uh, but it is a very powerful card it gives you uh let me double check here one mod of any color as long as it's a multicolored spell so every time a multicolored spell gets printed in modern um that pillar of the parents gets better um it just got one more card that it can cast so uh you know any deck that's really going to try and leverage um heavy multicolor base is going to want to move towards pillar of the parents um, so, you know, the non-foil is still quite cheap uh, in, you know, the 3 to $4 range. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that here on our list in the near future. In fact, this is almost worth putting on a, a watch list um, because this could easily double or triple on the non-foil, too, as soon as somebody finds one good list that this is in. Also, the card to watch along with that would be Reflecting Pool in both uh, foil and non-foil. There's a couple of versions to choose from. Uh, you can pick whichever one. Uh, you like the art better on, I believe the original Lorwind foil, the Lorwind foils had like the plains watermark. There was some kind of error there, if I remember yep. right. You do. Uh, I have one. Oh, I need to get one of those. Um, it's really great with reflecting pool because reflecting pool is immediately good for five colors. So, uh, any, like you said, every multicolor spell makes it so much better. Yeah. Pillar of the parents, reflecting pool, city of brass, cavern of souls. You got uh, yeah, you got a lot of a lot of five color mana there. Uh, what's next? Next up is Anvil of Bogarden, uh, the rare out of Visions. It's jumped from six fifty to about fifteen dollars, gaining around one hundred and thirty percent. This is a reserve list card that uh, has probably gone up due to um, is it Leovold? I don't know how to. I don't know if we do the sound sound of the oh. Leovold. So that nobody else gets to draw extra cards, but they have to discard. So uh, that would I make think, sense. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, you're, uh, Leovold, I think, is going to give us a lot of uh, spikes, like uh, Nekusar did a couple of years ago, and a lot of things that draw you cards or draws everybody cards, and then has some other evil effect. Is going to see a little bit of a bump. I don't know if it's going to be the same level as Nekusar. But um, a lot of folks are stoked to build uh, these Sultai, I'm going to mess with you kind of decks. You can't weave a fortune like you could with Nekasar, but there's a lot of good things you can do. And then Volpo Garden just goes right into the deck. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Leobold is quickly becoming extremely popular as a commander, but when he was spoiled, I read him and I'm like, this looks like the least fun just an absolute no fun commander like this is just going to make he's everyone's going to want to kill him immediately and he's going to be miserable so i just like completely wrote him off and didn't even devote any mental capacity to him because it was like he just is a crummy commander i don't want to play him but it's entirely true that he can he's very capable of driving prices yeah i think that um thank goodness tiny leaders isn't really a thing anymore because this is a really disgusting card for you to lay down in tiny leaders too yeah yeah it is it definitely is um Okay, so let's hop over to our next one, which is uh, Hide and Seek, Hide slash Seek. Uh, this is the split card from Dissension again. A lot of Dissension this week. Uh, one half of it puts artifacts or enchantments on the bottom of their opponent's libraries, and the other one lets you tutor and exile a single card from your opponent's deck. 
Um, we're seeing this show up in a lot of the Nahiri sideboard decks in modern, or the sideboard of a lot of Nahiri decks in modern. Both halves are useful, and the uh, Esper half of things allows you to exile their Emrakul. Uh, out of their deck, they're only Emrakul, which neuters Nahiri pretty significantly. She doesn't present that clock anymore. Doesn't it gain uh, life too? Yeah, you gain the 15 life as well. So yeah. it adds a lot against their, you know, snap bolt snap plan. That, that'll get you done. Yeah, that'll it'll very easy, at least makes it easier to set up for your Emrakul. Um, so, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm looking at TCG player right now. There's not a single near mint foil copy. Um, and the number of foil copies is down to a handful of play sets. So, uh, you know, right now it looks like you can pick up a copy for pro- non-foil for probably about three bucks. And I would not be surprised to see this on our list in a week or two. Yeah. Um, so I love how random some of these finds are, but we've got uh, something like 18,000 unique magic cards to look through. And as we keep going... Uh, old cards are going to come back with a vengeance and uh, it's just amazing. Uh, I have a random foil of this in one of my commander decks and I would have picked a bunch of other foils to go up before I would have picked this one but exile their Emrakul, take away what they're Nahirian for, gain 15 life for 2 mana or is it 3 for the Seek side? Uh, it is 2 on both halves. 2 on both halves. So yeah, 2 mana, gain 15 life, make their Nahirian not very good. It seems like a card. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Do you want to finish this off in segment one here, Cliff? I'm I'm throwing you the hard one. Uh, well, that's lovely of you. Uh, Spring Jack Shepherd out of Morning Tide. For some crazy reason, this rare has gone from seventy five cents to three and a quarter, uh, gaining over three hundred percent as our biggest mover of the week. And uh, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, yeah, it makes goats. I, this- I don't. No white goats are a thing. Or it's not even rare. This isn't even a rare. It's an uncommon. <laughs> oh, it's an uncommon? Then yeah. I really don't know. Um, I, I, I looked this up on MTG Top 8. I don't see anything. I'm Googling for Spring Jack Shepherd decks. I see nothing. I, I, I'm i sorry, you guys. I have no idea where this is coming from. Totally possible it's an error of some kind. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe it's one of those things. Are there a lot of copies on TCG right now? Uh, no, there really aren't. I mean, wow. in near mint copies, there are like 15, 16. At what kind of price? Uh, the, there's a there's about four play sets of non-foils in the two-ish, two to three dollar range. And then the foils are eight. There's three foils from eight to 15. So random. Yeah. I, I, so goat listeners, buyout? if you know. Who's doing the goat buyout of an uncommon? <laughs> I guess, wait, what's that land? Isn't there a land that like regenerates goats or something like that? No, you get to sacrifice goats to gain that much life. And Spring Jack add, Pasture. Yeah. You gain, All right, there's, there's a spike now, I guess. Mana, but yeah, so where's Spring Jack Pasture on the list? <laughs> so they got to be doing something with all those goats. Yeah, you got to have something to do with your goats. All right. Well, let's move over to segment two, our cards to watch. Uh, I'll start off the week for you. Um, my first pick, I'm putting it in eight. I'm quite confident in it, and it's a short to mid pickup. And I'm looking at mutagenic growth, specifically foil copies from Modern Masters. Mutagenic growth is the uh, new is the Phyrexian mana pump spell plus two plus two, so it's essentially free. We've been seeing it in Modern and Legacy uh, for a long time now in Infect, and it's always kind of had a little bit of a price tag, especially for a common. 
uh, that was in New Phyrexia. And then it was reprinted in Modern Masters 2015, um, so last year. But now this Death's Shadow Zoo deck is showing up, and that also runs for Mutagenic Growth. So now we have, in fact, in Legacy and in Modern and Death's Shadow Zoo, which is a pretty real deck, all running a full playset of Mutagenic Growths. We've already seen it printed twice. I doubt we're going to see Mutagenic Growth again in Modern Masters next year. New Phyrexia, or the Phyrexian Mod in general is going to be really tough to print. Right now, I think you can still pick up copies of this in the $4 range. I grabbed a couple under 4 um, but there's not too many left out there as far as I can tell anywhere, um, at least not under 5 or 6 bucks. And I like this up to about $10, I think. I think we're going to see uh, the foils really start to dry up here in the next several weeks, possibly a month or two, and then they'll get relisted much closer to 10 or even $15. So, uh, you know, if you can score these under $4, especially at your local shop where people aren't quite keeping up with it, I think there's some definite profit to be made there. Yeah, it's like you said, it's going to be tricky to, uh, print, but, um, I think if conspiracy taught us anything, they're willing to throw stuff at us. And as we're going to talk about with the, uh, some of the announced products, they will find a way to, to put new copies in. Um, anytime you can do stuff, they've taught us that lowering mana costs is dangerous, especially if you can lower it to free. Um, you know, Getaxium Pro, uh, even some are playing like Noxious Revival. Mental Misstep was immediately too good. So uh, I would not be surprised if this didn't get reprinted for a while. But the foils especially, I'm, I'm always in on foils, man. Stuff is getting reprinted so fast. I'm right there with you. I think foils in general are a great idea right now uh, with all the reprints that are that are on the horizon, which you know we'll be talking more about that in, in articles and podcasts in, in the future. But um, okay, so so Cliff, what is uh, what have you got for us this week? Uh, I am in on Foil Sigarda's Aid at around uh, $6, depending on where you're at. Uh, you can find a little cheaper on TCG. Uh, I think that this is a great long-term pickup. Uh, I feel really good about this. This is a fantastic card for the decks that want to play uh, lots of equipment, whether it's a Kemba, Ka Regent, Commander deck, or if we get like some amazing equipment going on in modern, uh, MTG Goldfish put up one on Twitter the other day about uh, a deck playing Force of Guard Aid and like all the amazing equipment. Uh, the combination of card of abilities is really great, and uh, I don't need it to do much as a foil from a small set that Eldritch Moon is. So I'm, I'm happy picking up the foils around uh, six dollars and just waiting. I think it's going to be uh, really great in the long term. This is a, a really interesting target because this screams to me the type of card that I could see reprinted over and over and over in commander products or associated products, but never getting a second foil printing. Exactly. So you end up with this like humongous multiplier. So this is a this is a good spot. I like this a lot, Cliff. Thank you. What else do you have for us, Travis? What else do you like this week? Well, uh, continuing in the trend of foils, uh, my next one, I've got a seven on my confidence level on this one, and it's a very long-term pickup, but I'm looking at the Faithless Saluting uh, from Eternal Masters. Price tag is about $250 right now. I'm looking for this to get up into the $6 range or so would be would be ideal. Uh, Faithless Saluting is, a, is you know, the one mono red spell that, you know, draw two, discard two. Um, 
But what I really like about this is that this card is just played in so many different places, uh, so many different strategies, and it's been printed a million times, but there's not really very many foils. In fact, the only other foil is it's Dark Ascension and uh, Eternal Masters. And the Dark Ascension foil is currently in the $8 to $10 region. Um, and the Eternal Masters copy is still under $3. So I think there's a lot of room for that foil to grow quickly. Uh, we're seeing it in almost, you know, half of to three quarters of the unfair decks that exist. Uh, <laughs> you know, like play faithful suiting. So, you know, it's it's sort of like we know where this copy will end up. There's a good amount of foil internal masters, faithless students on the market right now. There won't be forever. And we already know that it's a, it's an eight to nine, $10 foil because of the dark ascension copy. So, um, it just seems like a pretty easy sleeper to me. Uh, you're a genius and I am going to go on TCG player as soon as we're done recording. And I'm going to pick up a few of these because if the dark ascension one's eight and this one's two fifty. Uh, I like the ability for it to grow even to five, and your description of unfair decks is exactly right. If you're digging for one thing, there you go. All right. Do you have anything else you wanted to chat about here for us this week? No, let's uh, move on to our metagame week interview. We had three Grand Prix to go over, and uh, there are some interesting things going on here. Absolutely. Uh, you know, two things st- stood out to me. Um, across all three of these events. The first is that Death Shadow Zoo is a real deck, and the second is that Eldrazi is also still a real deck. Oh, I love it. love it so hard. Uh, this summer, um, James and I told you to pick up uh, foil Eldrazi's and uh, still keep going. People aren't valuing them high enough for the amount of play they're getting. Yeah, I, it, and it's it's such a core set of cards too right like that eldrazi list is just like look here's matter replacer drawner pope thought knight seer reality smasher eldrazi displacer that's it those are like the only five creatures really that the deck plays at all like maybe eventually something gets printed and we move back into oblivion sour but for the most part that's all we're looking at and uh that is a real core of creatures and i think that you know, you'll see that the whole boat on that deck is going to ride, uh, rise because, I mean, if you look at the price tag on the Eldrazi decks, it's actually really cheap. There's like, you know, you have your mana base, but whatever, mana bases are what they are. But even for a mana base, it's not that expensive. And then the main deck is like, well, you have to pay for four noble hierarchs, and then the entire rest of the deck is like $200. I mean, it's, it's really impressive just how cheap they are right now. Yep, the uh, cards being cheap enough is a big part of why they are awesome. What uh, what jumped out at you over these events? Uh, I really like the uh, Pyromancer Ascension deck that showed up in, uh, I'm going to mangle this name, and I feel real bad. I think it's Coins Out. Um, if I said that wrong, I apologize. Uh, anything running for Thing in the Ice has my attention. Uh, the card, I couldn't believe how much pre-sale hype it got. And for the amount of play it, it sees, uh, it still has a surprisingly high price tag, but it's just so easy to abuse in some decks. And you pair it with everything else. It's a countdown. It's a big clock. I, I just love playing down thing in the ice and saying, what are you going to do about me uh, burning you and copying spells? And it, it just makes my heart sing. It's so great. This is it's such an effective card in this strategy because it allows you to get so much utility out of all those spells that you didn't want to cast before. 
um, and really gives you a tremendous amount of defense, really, because you can get this to three copies and then just kind of hang out as you uh, yeah. hang out and then let them make a move. And then, oh, flipped it. Now you have to restart. You have to start over and, and I can work backwards. I guess you can also use it. I, I don't know how often this comes up, but you can save it. to. You can flip it to save a Pyromancer's Ascension. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, there's some there's some oh. real play with this. <laughs> So it, it has a, not only is this a seven, eight, that can just kill people. It's also got a lot of depth to when the timing, the flip of it, I think. Yeah, oh, no, it, I'm sorry. It's return all nine horror creatures. My mistake, my mistake. Oh, yeah, because uh, I drafted a deck with it and uh, Bedlam Reveler. And uh, Bedlam <laughs> Reveler is a horror. And just the synergy there made me want to just stand up and start singing. <laughs> um. I also liked all the, you know, all the red green breach decks we saw was kind of oh. surprising. This this deck has been on the the fringe of modern basically forever. Um and it kind of feels like there's all it's there's always been a deck that does what this wants to do a little bit better. Uh Scape, there's always a slightly better Valakit deck and Scape Shift. There was always a better Primeval Titan deck and Amulet. Uh you know, that might still be true actually. But it is interesting to really see this come through um and for through the breach to really get more time in the sun. Uh, surprisingly not, you know, it's putting Primeval Titan into play. It's only saving you one mana, really, but getting double triggers, I guess, is, is also very good because you get the Primeval Titan coming in, which will get you, you know, your two Valakits, and then you attack, and suddenly you get two mountains, and you start shooting stuff down. Um, so it's just interesting to see that deck pop up again. And what was yeah, that? That's 12 damage when you get the two Valakits. If, if you've got your appropriate number of mountains, those other two mountains are now worth 12 each Valakut triggers twice. It's just ridiculous. I love I love that too. I love all the busted, unfair things we do in Modern. I don't want to play Modern ever, but I love watching Modern. It's so weird. It is my favorite format. I think it is the most vibrant and interesting format. Just you get to do the coolest stuff without it, A, being exorbitantly expensive to get into, but B, being taken up with infinite shuffling. Um, although, funny that I should complain about shuffling when I'm talking about a deck that has to shuffle twice and I was gonna say, there's a there's a lot of shuffle triggers, even you're starting off with Sakura Tribelder into through the breaching of Primeval Titan. Yeah, the 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 power the power level on Modern is um, so much lower than Legacy. It feels like there's a lot of room for you to figure something out, bring a deck, and perform. Whereas Legacy, it's like no, nope, you have to compete with Brainstorm, Force of Will, and turn to Show and Tells the entire time, and it's like it is so much harder to break into that to that realm. Plus the uh, the availability of things is a, a real issue too. Yeah, uh, but and and the impact here is that um, because it's so much easier to jump into modern and just kind of brew a deck that has a much better shot of succeeding than you might see elsewhere. Uh, it also makes it financially very exciting because cards that you would never have given a second look, somebody puts together the right combination, suddenly you've got a tier one list. You know, Grishel Brand existed in the format forever, and then somebody finally figured out that the trick was uh, splicing onto arcane spells, and the deck took over several events in a row and drove the prices on several cards. Um, And, you know, Pillar of the Parents, it feels like, is starting to head in that direction. Like, did somebody figure it out? Are we right there? Is Pillar of the Parents going to be $25 rare in a week? I don't know, but it's really cool to just see, see it all evolve. And it's my favorite format, both as a player and as somebody who is looking to make money off of the game. Uh, in the Pillar of the Prunes category, uh, you also want to keep an eye on Ancient Ziggurat. I don't know if you saw uh, enough of the coverage uh, last weekend on Star City. 
somebody was playing like a five color good stuff creature deck with uh, that leading off because it's you tap for any color of mana, but it's only good for creature spells. Yep. Yep. I have seen that before as well. I don't know. It, my, my concern with that one is that A, it's uncommon and then it's got three printings. I mean, two of them are promos, so it's really kind of just a conflux printing, but it does stand kind of at odds a little bit with Pillar of the Parents. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree. That's you're probably they could you could see a lot of overlap there. Um, okay, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about on these Grand Prix before we move to our topic of the week? Never forget about affinity. <laughs> yeah, this is right. a general note. It's always going to be there, waiting to pounce on people who aren't ready for it. It's it's the perfect deck for modern. If you're ready for it, you'll destroy it. If you're not, you're dead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's not much other way to describe that. And like, you know, I I generally don't talk about affinity in my articles or on the podcast or anything because it's just such a a standard at this point. The card prices just sort of are what there are. There isn't a lot of movement. But from a player perspective, yeah, you absolutely have to be thinking about that at all times. Uh, Was there anything else you wanted to bring up from the three GPs? Uh, no, no, I wrote about it this week. So for more information on this, uh, more involved analysis of the metagame, check out my article that was on MTG price on Wednesday. Uh, I, there's so many things to cover on announcement day. Do you, are you strongly urged to start anywhere? Well, um, I will say that modern Ma- we got modern masters, 2017, uh, I don't think- uh, in the block and return to rabbit block, correct? Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Which uh, shouldn't really have come as a surprise to anybody. I think that the Return the Ravnica component of this might have surprised people a little bit, but we pretty much already knew that. If you've been paying attention, you you'll would have noticed that Modern Masters 2015 was released two years later than the first Modern Masters and included two more uh, blocks. It included um, Shad- uh, Scars, over Mi- Scars of Mirrodin and uh, Zendikar block. And now, Modern Masters 2017, two years later again, we're adding two more blocks, but Innistrad is the first block after Scars of Mirrodin and Return the Ravnica followed. Um, and what's interesting was that the the narrative about MM17 that has really dominated social media has been about um, the reprinting of Snapcaster and Liliana and these Innistrad cards coming into the to Modern Masters, but I have not seen many people discussing uh, the appearance of Return the Ravnica and that whole block. So um, I think we're going to see a voice reprint. I think that card is very likely to show up again and Abrupt Decay as well. But uh, beyond those two cards, I'm not sure if we're really going to see any impactful reprints. You know, if you look back at Return the Ravnica right now, the whole block, um, there's not a lot of money in that set right now. So they don't. Yeah, they don't have to, they don't, there's not a lot of money that they have to reprint out of that block. Like hit voice and abrupt decay, and then you can just use the uncommons to fill out your draft format. Do you think we'll see shocks? No, absolutely not. I do not think they have any interest in putting land cycles in products like this. Not, not mana fixing land cycles. Those types of land cycles sell expansion sets. Um, and they take equity away from cards that they want to reprint in the Modern Masters that are much harder to put elsewhere. Because for every rare shock you put in, that's one less rare that you can put in uh, otherwise. And those other cards are a lot harder to reprint outside of standard than the shocks are. I could not have said it better myself. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, but in terms of land, um, you mentioned Liliana, Snapcaster, uh, Cavern of Souls. 
I would be getting rid of every cavern of salt. I'm keeping my one foil, and I think I'm going to move out the ones that are in random commander decks because it's not going to keep at $60, and they're sure not going to reprint it at Mythic, probably. Who the hell? I mean, I don't know for sure, but um, cavern and uh, I, have a, I have a list of things I'm working on. Um, Achaeus the Unhallowed, uh, randomly $20 out of Dark Ascension. Uh, that seems like a really easy reprint. Uh, a lot of fun to have in a limited format if you've never had him in a limited format. There's a, a lot of things that are going to pop up that we'll go in more detail for. Yeah, I did not realize this card was up to $20. Holy crow. Oh, man, the foil is like 50 60 something like that. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, you know, that's Cavern of Souls is an interesting card. It, I could absolutely see it in Eternal Masters, and at the same time, I could see them not printing it there either. So I'm really up in the air, but I am tempted to sell my copies anyways. And I, I don't think I I might have a foil one floating around, but I'm I'm actually of the opinion that if you're going to sell any, the foil for me is the first one to go, especially because the Avacyn Restored foiling process on the English sets was garbage. It and, is an ugly card. I, I gotta, I can't argue with that. It is an yeah, ugly you can't card. Foil, right? Like, it's just, it's just dark. Like, you really cannot tell that that card is foil. Um, <laughs> so I, I would be inclined to get rid of those just because the only people that have them have them because they have to have a foil. But once there's um, a new foil out, even though it's not going to be as good as some of the other older modern foils will be, it'll still be better than that awful Avacyn Restored stuff. Um, so I think that'll kind of chop the legs out of that a little bit. And it allows you to actually have a nicer looking copy when you eventually replace it. I can't wait for there to be a prettier card in foil. I will get rid of, I, I might take your advice and, and get rid of that foil cavern uh, now, just because I, like you said, it's ugly and I don't like it. Yeah, but this is by no means a guarantee that we're going to see cavern. I'm, I'm on the fence. I really don't know. Really, you you don't think it's a it's my I mean I've been on the cavern needs to get reprinted train forever, and uh, I can't see like are they going to put it into uh, one of the commander decks? You think like this is such a good casual card? People hate getting their stuff countered. <laughs> you're I mean you're absolutely right. Like it's not to say that the card doesn't need to be reprinted. It's that. It makes a lot of sense to see Snap and Liliana here, but Cavern there, it's a little more flexible. You remember this showed up in Avacyn Restored the first time, so they can put it in any standards that they really want to, right? I don't think it's hard to shove this pretty much anywhere. Um, so it, they have a lot of options with Cavern that they don't have with Liliana's Snapcaster. It's also quite expensive, which means it eats up a lot of room for equity. So if you've got Liliana, Snapcaster, Voice Resurgence, Abrupt Decay, um, if you return, if you return Tarmogoyf too, I mean, that's a lot of money in the set already, which is going to make it harder to include a 60 to $75 land. Now, again, I'm not saying it won't be in the set. I just, it's not, to me, it's not as much of a lock as Liliana is. Um, but that doesn't mean that you should be holding on to your copies. I mean, it's already worth a lot of money. True. Um, there's really no shortage of awesome things that they could put in there. Do you think about the game is, uh, is for sure? They gave us already a, um, uh, what was this special promo printing of about the Was it an RPTQ? No, I th was it a GPA? Uh, it's not on Magic Cards. I didn't I, you know, I remember seeing the MTGO photo of it, but I don't remember what the, uh, what the other promo is. Give me two seconds. Um, 
WMCQ. So right. there were n- right. not a lot of them out there. Ten dollars again. Are they ten dollars again? Crap. They are. They okay. are ten dollars again. Um. Yeah. I, to me, that seems like a home run rare. You know, it's it's not a terribly expensive card. You know, it's got value, but it's not an insane amount. People need copies. It's very popular. Um. So that seems like a card that would be a home run to include, just because they get a lot of goodwill without having to soak up a lot of money. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um. The commander. Oh, I'm sorry. What are the other things you want to mention about Modern Masters? Um, no, I'm sure we'll have more to discuss on on this. You know, in the following weeks, because there's there's going to be a lot there. But the big ones here are extremely likely to see Snap and Liliana. So make sure you're not holding any spare copies. We have no idea when those are going to get spoiled. It could be any day. Um, uh, other than that, no, I think we can get to the rest of this in the following weeks. What do you um, got for me, Cliff? I want to talk about uh, the Commander uh, Anthology in the vein of the Plane Chase Anthology. Uh, uh-huh. I'm looking through the deck lists, and um, quite frankly, the only things that stand out are the original Heavenly Inferno Kalia cards. All the, the rest of them, it was uh, an elf deck. It's a, um, uh, a black-green uh, value deck. It's got Marin of... Uh, Nell Pop, and uh, there's some other things. Uh, this seems like their selected way to just get more copies of Kalia and some of the associated things onto the market. And uh, I am, as much as I love the old Commander decks, the fact that they picked one 2011, one original Commander deck, and then one from each of the years is just going to cement the value is super low, in my opinion. Like the one of them is an elf deck that's got one of every one of the elves you want to have. So you buy this, you're, you're a quarter of the way there on your modern or legacy elf deck. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't seem like they were really angling to provide a lot of value here for players. Um, it's just sort of like a, a way to sell, basically a well, way to sell stuff to a lot more casual players who just, you know, see this as a chance to pick up four new commander decks for, you know, well, geez, 165 bucks. I know the price is really the, the terrifying part about it. Somebody said our commander market can handle this. And I'm really surprised by that. Um, the original Kalia deck goes for a lot, the original Heavenly Inferno, but um, almost all of the value cards have had a chance to be reprinted. You know, we got a new uh, foil of Terials, uh, Reckoner of Souls in FTB Angels. There was the Commander's Arsenal printing of Kalia herself. There's a, a lot of the, the extras that are in there. And you're just like, well, it retail, the retail price on the individual cards is pretty high, but it would take you forever and a half just to even out these on Puka Trade. Yeah. 
I, I yeah, that's really curious too. So you're it's one hundred and sixty five dollars for four of these decks. Who is their market? Because your market's not players like you and I. We own we you know we own a lot of this stuff, and anything we didn't we would have already bought. Um, really, the only per, the people that I would think you would sell to are more casual players who might have missed these the first time around or what have you. But one hundred sixty five dollars is a steep cost, even if you're getting four EDH decks. You know, it feels like they're going to be inclined to buy one deck, maybe not all four, but then at the same time, uh, you know, you could someone could put that 165 bucks into just building a deck that they wanted to, like just one deck that they like right. more, improving one that already exists. So that's a, a curious positioning for this product. I I don't. Wizards is doing no wrong these days in terms of their sales numbers, apparently. So um, kudos to them. I mean, Plain Chase reprinted some stuff that needed reprinting. Uh, this doesn't seem to be filling the same niche. This just seems to be more like, can we play a greatest hits album and make a ton more money? Yeah, that sounds about accurate. Um, and then, you know, on a similar note, you've got, uh, Arch Enemy over here, which, uh, is surprising because I believe this is the least popular multiplayer product they've ever made was Arch Enemy. Like nobody liked this. Um, and then on, on top of this, not only are they bringing back Arch Enemy, which has 20 new schemes, it's also got uh, four 60-card decks, but there's no new cards in there. Um, it's just it's all reprints. So uh, there's nothing There's nothing exciting here. There's just essentially bombs to dodge. Yeah, um, Arch Enemy is just no fun for anybody, quite frankly. And uh, if you're the kind of person who builds the deck that everybody has to kill anyway, then they're really going to come at you and and you're going to enjoy that. So uh, more power to you if you're the one who likes to play three-on-one. You like to uh, overload Cyclonic Rift and then uh, bounce your mnemonic wall just so you can do it again. Uh, then really, uh, this is the product for you. Uh, if you're looking for a new way to play, that's... Uh, something that they haven't printed in a long time and maybe they're trying to mine some nostalgia, but I, I played some Arch Enemy. I'm not nostalgic for that in any way. No, I don't think you're the only one either. <laughs> really, you don't even need Arch Enemy to play 3v1 because you just have to show up to your table, your EH table of Leovold, and you're basically already playing 3v1. Well said, sir. Well said. Okay, so that is just about uh, wrapping it up for this week. Cliff? Um, where can our loyal listeners find you? Uh, well, I'm writing two articles a week. Uh, I'm writing Puka picks for our pro traders that shows up on Thursdays with uh, my picks on what you should have on your want list and what you should uh, be moving out. Uh, there's a, a lot of good things in there every week. And I'm also writing uh, every Friday. I have a more casual piece that goes up for everyone to read. And you can always find me on Twitter at Word of Commander. Okay. And again, my name is Travis Allen, uh, Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N on Twitter. Uh, my articles appear every Wednesday on MTG Price, and you can catch me occasionally over on the Cartel Aristocrats webcast with some other guys. I would like to remind our listeners to check out mtgprice.com's Pro Trader service. For just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best financial minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. It's been great, Travis. Thanks for having me over to uh, fill in for James. Let me know whenever you need uh, 
whenever you're tired of hearing about things and uh, I'll be by whenever you need. Yeah, well, I may call on you a little more often because I'm starting to get a little tired of him saying interwebs in the intro every oh single time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> thank, you right. for, thank you for backing me up on that. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you uh, to everybody, and we'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.